What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming You podcast. I am your host, Josh Canuti. If you've been listening for a while, thank you. I appreciate it. You're awesome. And if you're brand new, welcome. This podcast is dedicated to helping as many human beings as possible overcome life's biggest challenges, the biggest one of all being ourselves. And if you want to support a podcast like that, if you want to support a mission like that, the best way to support is hit that subscribe button. It doesn't cost anything. You don't have to give any information. You just have to hit that subscribe button. And while you're at it, why don't you give us a rating and write us a review. It would be a big, big help. And thank you to all. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Onnit. Onnit.com slash O-C-Y. Onnit is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies in the entire world. It's where you can get supplements, vitamins, vitamin D. You can get workout gear, workout plans, anything that you need for health and wellness. This is the spot for you. And if you visit Onnit.com slash O-C-Y, you will save up to 10% on your order using that referral code O-C-Y. That's Onnit.com slash O-C-Y, O-N-N-I-T.com slash O-C-Y. Why save up to 10% on your order. My guest today is one of the members of the band Dirty Heads and the co-host with his brother Jake of the podcast Feeling Good with Duddy. My guest today is Duddy B. And Duddy B comes on the podcast today and we just kind of talk about life, but we talk about how he quote unquote made it in the industry and some of the hardships and hard times that he had to overcome, you know, doing things from playing shows and gigs to three people to flash forward to playing shows to over 35,000 people. How you get through those tough times being in a van for seven, eight years and how you get through that and how you overcome. And he'll talk about all that. He'll talk about the fact that he just loves playing music and he just wants to play music to as many people that will listen. He just wants to surround himself with good, positive people, just wants to feel good and laugh and chill. And so please welcome Mr. Duddy B. Duddy B, this world is on fucking fire. I need you, the Dirty Heads, Sublime with Rome. I need you to resurrect Bob Marley, come up with a song to help us remember to love each other. I need Oprah and The Rock in the fucking White House. I don't care who's who. I need Elon Musk. I need Jeff Bezos in the cabinet doing smart stuff that I don't fucking understand. I need the Dalai Lama, Tony Robbins on the board of morality. And I need Samuel L. Jackson to narrate the documentary for 2020 because there's going to be a lot of sentences that start with, you motherfucker. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what is going on in this fucking world? It's wild. It's wild. It's uh, 2020 is going to be in in the books for sure. Um, I can't get over it. You know, it, it obviously just seemed like it was one thing, then right to the next. And now it yeah. seems like it's almost even going back to the first thing. Be- yeah. You know, Um Obviously, everyone was trying to quarantine, and then uh, some. Terrible... I feel like that just went away. I feel like well, it went away just... because there was a new focus. Obviously, yeah, um, that was terrible. And then you know the protest started, which is great. I think people should speak up and, and stand sure. up for what the looting. I don't understand. Right. I feel like that was just like, come on, guys. So what are we doing? What are we doing here? Yeah. But you know, it went from quarantine, but then the focus changed. So protest. And then obviously no one cared about that anymore. Uh, or like no one cared about the quarantine anymore. And yeah. it seemed like that. Now I'm hearing about like spikes, you know, of Corona back again. So yeah. Why? Yeah. I don't, I don't freaking know. I just, I'm an ultimate optimist. So I really do believe that something good's going to come out of this. It has to, because I think everything works in this way regardless whether it's working out whether it's you know writing music you know the journey you've been on 
you start out and everything goes fine and then it dips down in, you know, you got a sore muscle and you can't hurts to take a shit to sit down because you did too many legs. Totally. Uh, and then all of a sudden you start to come out of it, start to feel a little bit better, start to look a little better, start to learn from your mistakes. So I'm hoping that we're in this like part where it just hurts to take a shit and every, every part of us is like yeah. aching and then we're on the tail end of it. But I just, because I don't know how much more that the people or myself can fucking handle because we have <laughs> all of a sudden we get like an earthquake or something and then california falls off the map like i don't fucking know because i think people are at their at their brink i think I, they're at their limits well totally yeah. and, and you know obviously the the corona and the and the quarantine was very new to everybody like For that sure. i don't think we've ever really gone through that worldwide like shutdown no. and um I, definitely never in my life um and uh it it was almost at first kind of like ooh this is new. Is this almost like a, like a movie? Like this is yeah. cool. And then that was cool for like two weeks, you know, and then it would, got real and then it lasted way longer than anyone would think. So the tensions just started building. Yeah. What the hell's going on? Government's lying to us. Everyone's lying. What are we doing? And then, you know, the bubble just popped. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, that's, but <clears throat> like you said though, I think, I think at the end of all of this, we're going to come together and we're all going to become stronger because of. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know when I was on your podcast, Feeling Good with Duddy, we were talking about it, and I've never wanted to be less less right in my entire life than what we were talking about because everything was going in the wrong direction in, in mental health. You can go visit that, what, that uh, episode when we are talking about it, but then everything started suicide spikes, and then you got this monster that puts his knee on this guy's neck for freaking eight minutes and Come 45 on. seconds, and then the fucking world, oh. it was like... Okay, Corona hit. Okay, quarantine two weeks. Everyone's like, all right, that's all right, get it. And then like two weeks more, like, Are you sure. And then we started getting into 30, 60 days, and then everybody's getting there. It's like, a, yeah. It's like some a guy at your show, you know, when you're, mm -hmm. you probably see it from the stage, you know, when the mosh pet's about to break off. Oh, it's like yeah. right there. And then all of a sudden oh, there's yeah. one thing, boom. boom. You can feel it. And you know what part every, yeah. happens every, every show in the same part on the same song, you know, man, these people are about to lose it and bam, there they go. And that's, yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. I think, and I feel like 99% of the people, obviously most people, I mean, that video, God, I was so heated. Yeah, and just so sure. frustrated and so mad and angry, and it's like obviously that's how everybody felt. Everybody you watched that. Cops, and citizens, everybody. You, right, we were just at that tipping point, and that was that was the last straw that just yeah. tipped it. You know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't terrible. know what the hell. Absolutely terrible. Hell's going to happen, but um, I know that. Like I said, I know that you, you can save us. <laughs> you can save us. I need I need that one song. I need that oh, that man. Imagine song. I need maybe not that Imagine song, but I need that. We are the world. It's all it's on you, Daddy, and the Dirty Heads to save right. this world. Okay, no pressure, no nothing. But go back, write some more. Uh, if you need anything that rhymes with Hey or Bay, I'm your man. Oh, nice. Outside of that, I'm, all right. I'm well, what rhymes with Hey or Bay? Uh, that's all I got. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah it has yeah. to be Hey or Bay, right. and they rhyme it with the other one. Uh huh. All right. Uh -huh. Well, good news is that we do have some <laughs> new music coming out very shortly. We do have a new album coming out, and uh, it's, it doesn't have like a We Are the World type song in it. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, we wrote this album before all the craziness. So, but. It yeah. is a uplifting, fun album. I think it'll make people feel good. Nice. When's that plan to come out? Oh uh, well, we do have one of the singles is going to drop in July, like early July, I okay. believe, if not mid July, and then um, 
you know, within a month or two after, hopefully we'll just drop the whole thing. And it's funny because you mentioned earlier as we were talking, like, you know, California just falls off into the sea. Yeah. That's kind of the theme of this album. The album name is California Island. <laughs> and it's about like the earthquake hit. Yeah. We sailed off, but we're kind of like, all right, see ya. Yeah. And, you know, now it's like California Island. And uh, that's kind of what the album, you know, underline theme yeah. is about. Yeah, I will say that sometimes this sounds very kind of like, oh, poor me, rock star. Oh, poor me. We live in one of the most gorgeous places in the world. But sometimes I do feel like in Orange County, we are in this little island. And then no disrespect to any of our friends or anything like that. You start to talk about bigger issues. And they're like, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Like, Bitch, all of you live in a million plus home. You have the freaking ocean right here. It's it's not sunny what three days out of the year if that it's like the most gorgeous thing it's just this like little island and sometimes i think we get wrapped up in that little biopic totally and especially if you don't travel a lot um you know and you stay in your bubble of your community and you you know it's very easy to just get lost in that and forget that there is real issues going on other places you know yeah i think there should be some sort of like mandate that all individuals have to like travel the world or something like that. I can't tell you. I didn't really start traveling until I was early twenties. I'm 38 now, but early twenties, I backpacked through Europe and it gives you a different sense of the world. Like you have no fucking clue. And I can only imagine how open your eyes are considering you've been around the world and seen everything. And then some, it just opens your world, opens your mind to like, Oh my God. It, it, I think it takes you out of your brain to realize, like, oh, other people have way different lives. Totally. Not even remotely like you and I or me yeah. or whatever. And, and, and at a certain age, they don't have a choice. That's what they have. Yeah. You know, obviously, they could one day work to then move to wherever they want and start whatever type of life they have. But at one point in their life, this is what they have. And this is what they got to work with. And it's completely different than what you have, you know, yeah. and, uh, you to, and not even just traveling around the world, just traveling the country, just our yeah. country alone. There's so many different places where you're like, wow, that this is, this is much different than, than how I grew up. And you don't think about it. It's funny. We were talking about this yesterday cause, uh, I don't know how it came up, but somehow, uh, Olive Garden came up mm-hmm. and we were all talking about like, God, I can't even remember like going to an olive garden and then we were laughing i was like i actually worked at an olive garden for one month and uh and then i like couldn't do it anymore and and we were they're like which one i was like oh the one over here on beach and then i don't want to put it on blast so then <laughs> someone was like you remember this gross story that came out about that mm. one and there's this gross story i mean yeah apparently there was like a cook that was like finishing in the fettuccine sauce or oh. whatever got busted i don't know if it's true it could just be like a you know urban legend <laughs> we'll, we'll say it's an urban legend but uh and then we were talking about like god i never would eat there and you know and then uh we were talking about the last time we went there because we were on the road somewhere yeah and the only place around that was we went to an olive garden and this was probably 10 years ago and then that's how we started talking we're like that's for some people like they don't have another option right you go to Olive Garden, you go to Ruby Tuesday, you go sure. to Applebee's just because that's all that's in your little city. Yeah. That's your, that's your spots. And you're like, damn, even just that, if you yep. think about that, you're like, whoa, that is a reality for some people. Yeah. You know? And I think that's another kind of segue into kind of one of the things that I wanted to have you on for today is that I think music is 
it's very, very special in the way that it tells a story. And I think if you think about it in a certain manner, <clears throat> the only way that this world has ever changed is through somebody's story. And I don't mean like a fictitious story. I mean, I mean, Martin Luther King's story changed the fucking world. You know, um, Michael Jordan's story changed the world. And you're telling the stories through these, through your songs and you're affecting people's lives. And I think one of the things I want to talk to you about is I want to kind of have you tell some of your story is that, you know, as gotten to know you and hang out with you a couple a couple times, get to know uh, your brother, you know, you have this perceived, if someone were to look at you, you have this happy-go-lucky, positive, kind of positive attitude about you, but you look like this overnight sensation, and all of a sudden you just happened, you woke up one day, and uh, Lay Me Down was on the radio, and sweet, all right. A lot of people think that. Millions of dollars, travel around the world, oh my God, I am so in the bus, in the private jet, all that type of stuff, but it just isn't like that. And so one of the things I actually wanted to, in doing some research, I wanted you to kind of talk about, because like I said, I think there's power in people seeing seeing and understanding your story and your struggle, even mm-hmm. though you may not view it as a struggle, it's, it's still a difficult time. You just had a good positive outlook on it. Um, so t- walk us through that first couple years of kind of had this album, your first album out, the, mm-hmm. I don't want to give too much away, but kind of the record label kind of sat on it for a little bit and then yeah. kind of hit and then another indie label kind of screwed you out of some stuff. So. What was that whole yeah, thing about? It's a it's a long story, and uh, there's a lot of little steps. So I'll try and uh, not make it too long winded, and hopefully I no, get no. all the steps right. But yeah, man, I mean, me, Jared, and John, John, who is our percussion player, and Jared is the other vocalist in the Dirty Heads. Um, we've been friends forever. Um, I met Jared in high school, but I had known John since sixth grade. We went to middle school together. But John, John, and Jared went to elementary school together, so they've known each other since like third grade. Okay. And in high school, we were we were really good friends. Me and Jared's older brothers were really good friends. So we grew up together. And um, we started just jamming acoustic guitar in my room, me and Jared, and just making some random little songs. And then my brother had a local band, HB Surround Sound. And we, we would go up and do like two songs with them during their set. And people started liking it. So then me jared uh and john john played for my brother's band so then john john we kind of stole john he came with us and we started just traveling around doing uh little coffee shops open mics or whatever and uh that's kind of how the dirty had started and we just had this little demo that we made in my garage and uh cheese who is now our manager cheese cheese yeah a friend of mine (laughs) uh had had given cheese a demo that we made and cheese you know really liked it so he contacted us and he's like hey i want to have a meeting with you guys i want to manage you and at this time you know i think we were maybe 20 19 or 20 and we were like yeah right whatever we'll go meet this guy um so you know we met cheese and within a couple weeks of meeting cheese we had a meeting at warner brothers oh wow and uh yeah so we had a meeting over at warner brothers we go to warner brothers and we meet, and it's with Rob Cavallo, a uh, huge producer, did um, all the Green Day records, um, lots of lots of amazing things. Green and, Day, uh, never heard of them. Yeah, no, it's a small band. Yeah. Um, check them out. Um, <laughs> um, so we meet with them, and they they sign us. They give us a record deal, a pretty decent one. I, like one of the probably last record deals before the industry hit that they actually like gave us a decent amount of money. Yeah. Um, but we had no money 
at the time. <laughs> we had zero dollars. Right, right. And so we didn't even really get any of the money because we had to record an album. And we had to use, we used most of that money to record the album. And, you know, the little bits that were left was kind of just keep the engine rolling. And uh, we went in the studio for like a year and a half to record our first album. We had never been in a studio before. Okay. So that's why it took like a year and a half. Because you didn't know what you were doing. We had no idea what we were doing. Right. Before that, we recorded in my garage or my friend's garage, you know? Yeah. And uh, so we made any port in a storm. Well, we actually did Sales of the Wind, which was an EP, and that was like a seven-song EP that we did with Warner Brothers, and they were going to put that out, and then that's what they sat on. They never okay. put it out. Um, we had more songs, but we wanted to start with this EP, and then they never put they never put the album out. So you spent a year and a half making this album, and then they just were like, ah. Eh. It, it was... This is right when the industry just went boom, oh, done. Like okay. every the downloads, the free downloads started happening. So that's really how record labels make their money was off like people going and buying albums in stores yeah. and downloading the albums. That's how they make the bulk of their money. And the bands make a lot of their money off of touring and merch and and some of the sales back then. Mm -hmm. But once the the free downloads and, and all that started happening and no one's going into stores now and buying albums, the record labels just, th there was no income coming in. So all they were doing was now feeding their top couple bands, their little bands on their label. They, they can't afford to spend money. Right, so that right. we got stuck in that okay. of like shit, like, they're not going to drop us. They had a new Green Day album coming out. They had really good friends of ours. Actually, they had a new Avenged Sevenfold album coming out at oh, the whoa. same time. So uh, they were they had no <laughs> focus on us, and this dragged on for a long time. And it was very cool of them what they did. Actually, I will say is we eventually just had you know went to them. And we're like, we get what's happening. We see it. We understand. Can we just have the album? And like, can we just take the album? Yeah and go and just put this out ourselves because we need to move on. And they were like, go ahead. That's not, that's not a normal thing. No. Like that's usually like, no. screw you. We own this. We it's own our, this it's album. my car. It's yeah. my product. Yeah. Everything. So yeah. they were, they actually let us go and they gave us the album. So yeah. that was really fucking lucky. cool. And then yeah. very lucky. Cool. And then, yes, that's when we then went to an indie label and I can't even think of the name of it, to be honest. Um, and we were getting ready. We put out any port in a storm and it was doing decent. Stan tall got on uh surfs up that movie. Okay. So that was doing okay for us. It was getting us some, some lift, but then we uh, randomly, and I'll tell the quick story of the lay me down was uh, we had just made this demo. Um, our friends work at Hurley and they have like a, a little studio and Hurley's down was down the street from, from us. And yeah, He's like, come use the studio. So we went and we recorded this demo of Lay Me Down. We, we wrote it in my backyard like the day before, me, Rome, and Jared. And then we just went to the studio, made a demo. And the next day, Cheese had a meeting with K-Rock. They wanted to hear like Stand Tall and like Believe and one other song from the album that they maybe were going to play on the radio. And he, he accidentally put lay me down on that cd that he brought in there and the first song he played them at that meeting was lay me down and they were no like way. we're fucking playing this on the radio right now it wasn't even finished though. it wasn't it was a demo oh my a god total demo not mixed not mastered nothing yeah. one one day in the studio demo and uh they played it right there and next thing we know it was just in full rotation it went number one and it was number one on alternative and rock for 12 weeks and it was i actually broke records on yeah. both and 
it, we were just like, that was insane. And of course we thought like, oh, this is how it's going to work every time we put a song out. No, <laughs> nah, nah. but yeah. um, it changed our lives. It really did. It changed everything for the band. And, um, but yeah, like you had said, yeah. we were talking earlier before, but yeah, that indie label did something super shady with that, um, which was, we had a deal to where whatever they spent on us, we had to recoup like 50% of it. Okay. And, and they knew that we only had that one album deal with them. We were going to mo- go somewhere else afterwards. We weren't going to stay there, sure. but we couldn't leave the deal till we were completely recouped with them. So what they started doing was just spending crazy amounts of money. So you just could so never get out. Re- so just... Without asking too. Like wow. they put like, like television ads on like MTV and shit like that were just terrible ads and like all this crazy stuff so, so that we just couldn't, cause they were riding the wave of lay me down for their whole label. Not just us. Right. They were thinking of the label, not us. Yeah. And, uh, it went bad and you know, it, we ended up getting out of there. And so we kind of got screwed out of a lot, a lot of the income of lay me down, but it didn't matter. That really gave us that boost we needed to keep going. And, um, yeah, man. And you know, yeah. from there that it was really just a lot of touring and putting out a lot of new music and just, and just keeping at it, you know? Yeah. So an overnight success <laughs> through five years yeah. of trial and tribulation starting in a uh, garage, then you get a number one album and then, you're playing to arenas, right? Right off the bat? No. Or, okay. no yeah, no. We actually toured uh, We toured in a van for probably eight or nine years. And honestly, like the first uh, five of those years, playing to not many people. You know, Like th- how, how many? That, that's what I was getting at. I was, saying, would, I was joking. Uh, but. Yeah, sorry. I probably jumped way ahead there. No, um, it's perfect. Um, uh, there, it depended. So if we're in California or Arizona or like Colorado and Utah-ish, we would maybe have like a couple hundred people. Not at first, like at first 50 or so. But when we really started touring and getting out, yeah. we had a little crowd here and there. But once we got out of there, it was a gamble. It could be 10 people. It could be 40 We've had, we had one show, man. It was great. No joke. Three people showed up and, uh, they were not there to see us. Right. It was, that was me and my dad and mom, by the way. Thank you. Well, once I tell you who the three people were, you're going to (laughs) regret saying that. (laughs) Spoke too soon. Yeah. No, we were in one of the, I want to say we were in one of the Carolinas with, uh, it was good friends of ours band Ballyhoo. We were playing with them and we'll, we always talk about the show when we see each other, man. Um, we're getting ready to play too. And there's at this point, there's zero people there. Right. But there's, there is a bartender and we're like, well, we're here. We're all set up. Like we're going to play like, even if it's just for each other, you know? And, uh, and right before, I think we were playing first that night. And like, right before we went on this crew of three girls rolled in and I know, no joke. One of the girls was like a 80 pound, like kind of meth looking girl okay and then the other girl was like a look maybe seven months pregnant but smoking and drinking classy and then the other one was an absolutely tanked um little person yeah and they post up at the bar while (laughs) right before we start to play so we're actually like yes not yes because of the the (laughs) pregnant girl smoking and drinking that was actually disturbing right but we were like this is insane so during our set, the, the, the little lady, uh, she ends up getting so hammered that she fell off backwards off of her bar stool. Oh my God. Thank God. And, uh, she, she can't get up and the bartender 
comes around the bar and he's trying to help her up. And, and at this point we're not playing anymore. We're just right. like watching this, like go down. We're like, Holy what shit. What the hell? And, uh, and she's just yelling at him. Like, you're trying to touch me, leave me alone. And he's like, I'm definitely not I'm just <laughs> trying to help you up. This guy's trying to touch me. And we were just, <laughs> so yeah, we played shows like that, yeah. you know, <laughs> and that's, Hey, Overcomers, I wanted to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, and it's a sponsor that I highly, highly recommend, and that's BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? As a friend, let me tell you, it's that person standing in the mirror. It's that thing in between your ears. It's how you deal with the mental side of life. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. This is not a crisis line. This is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor at any time of the day. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly or video phone sessions so you will never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room like you do with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors at any time if needed. It's very important that you get the right counselor for you. And it's even more affordable than some traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. I love that. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit their website and read testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com slash O-C-Y. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. And there is an exclusive offer for overcomers only. For listeners of the Overcoming You podcast only, you will get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash O-C-Y. Betterhelp.com slash O-C-Y. Now let's get back to the podcast. And then, yeah. so flash forward, so... <laughs> at your at your best guess what's what do you think the largest crowd is that you played we've played some festivals with some pretty crazy crowds um i know last summer tour i want to say right before the tour started we started out with a festival and i want to say there was like thirty five thousand people which so was, that you, you don't see the end right you don't see the end of it so i want to i want to circle back with that because i just have a personal question but that right there is something, this is the thing with this podcast that I've realized is that what people in your seat have, I've noticed is that you have greatness inside of you, but you don't realize that you do it. You just kind of keep, keep going. So five years to deal with, to get to a number one single, then another five, seven years playing to three people to 35,000. Mm. Here's the thing. You, you know, a ton of musicians yep. that are in your opinion, way more talented than you are, but for never sure. made it for sure. And you, and you did, this is what I'm talking about is that if you can connect the dots going backwards in your opinion, why, why would you go through that? That, I mean, listen to what we just said. You're in a, you're in a van with freaking five other smelly people. Granted they're buddies and stuff like that, but Hey, we, we have all been quarantined and I love my wife more than anybody on the face of the planet. But I got to be honest, I'm ready to get the fuck out yeah. of there a little bit. You know, so that's a lot of shit yep. to go through. So what made you 
keep going through that? Well, one, uh, I love it. I love music. I love playing music. If you're going to go through something like that and, and go that deep into it and that far and throw everything all in, you have to love it. Yeah. It can't just be like, I want to be famous. Like that won't work. That'll last maybe a year or two, but then you'll just get sick of it and be like, I don't, this is stupid. Yeah. You know? But it's what you said though. Those five smelly dudes in the band. It's who I think a lot of who you surround yourself with, mm. who is in your band, who is, is in your startup company, who is on your team. That means a lot because mm. if you have <clears throat> a bunch of negative people around on your team, uh, you have a couple people on your team that aren't all in yeah. and they are there just to be famous or whatever it is or whatever you're doing. That's where I think a lot of the problems can start. Mm -hmm. I was very lucky to be surrounded with not only a bunch of talented musicians, but my friends I grew up with and we were like-minded and they're positive. And sure, sometimes we all get a little negative, but we sure. have our, we're there to pick each other up and we've been such a great team together. I think that's what really made us all kind of push through. Yeah. To be honest. Do you, so I think one of the things that makes individuals like you great or, or Michael Jordan great or what have you is that they're able to find their love very, very early in life. And mm -hmm. so you were able to find music very early in life at the time you probably couldn't articulate it in it's maybe even a stupid question to ask, but looking back, can you articulate what that feels like to find your love and find your passion? Does that make sense? Or yeah, is that no, I can't. Um, so, you know, actually my first up until I was, you know, I played sports my whole life and I, and I really loved baseball. Baseball was my first, like, Oh my God, I, yeah. I love this. And I played all through high school and I even played a little after high school in some um, like travel leagues and things like that. But what happened for me was it was my senior year in high school. I got really bad tendonitis and I got, I, I couldn't play baseball for like, I think it was like four or five months and I was doing physical therapy mm -hmm. and everything like that. <laughs> and I really dove into to music. I was already playing before I was playing, writing songs with Jared and just yeah. fun, like little backyard parties with my brother's band and stuff like that. But still I was like baseball, you know? And then once I couldn't really play baseball and I just really dove into music and I started going to see a bunch of concerts and I saw rage against the machine. Ooh. Yeah. And I remember just being in that crowd and I was just like, Oh fuck. This is this it. This is what I want to do. And I just got this feeling over me and just like holy shit. Yeah. Like and if, I don't know if you've ever seen a Rage Against the Machine concert. Oh yeah. It's one of the craziest. You cannot like duplicate that energy. Yeah. You cannot. Um Zach De La Roca, I don't know how I mean the whole band is amazing. The whole band, but for one individual to put out that much energy is like pretty awe-inspiring. That mm -hmm. guy is it's freaking crazy. amazing. I've never seen that many people all just like focused in on one person and yeah. just it whatever that guy said they would do. Right. Like <laughs> that. <true. laughs> like fucking that, which is terrifying. It's true. Um yeah. uh but he controls that crowd like no one else and I swear there was one moment at that fucking show where I was in the middle of the crowd and everyone was going nuts and just crazy and it was just like all of a sudden just like like I didn't see really or I, everyone was there but it was just like this focus on Zach and I remember I was just like holy shit yeah I want to do that right there you know the reason why I asked that is because I'm hoping to if someone when someone's listening to this they're 
wavering on kind of what they what they want to do because a lot of times I think find their love but they get they're not true to themselves and they mm-hmm. kind of get pushed out because of society or like they kind of go hey what are you doing why are you playing that guitar daddy like what, what do you who do you think you are to kind of throw some raps around like and you kind of like oh I really love that and so that's why I think kind of what I'm hearing is that if someone's listening to this and they have that feeling of oh my god this is it and because mm. I think you'll know that you loved baseball, but when you saw that that performance, or when you when you felt the when you start playing the, those instruments, it's like, oh, this there is different. Is. This mm-hmm. is different. So I think if anyone's listening to this, if you have that feeling, screw everybody else and try to get to the real, to the ultimate you, which is kind of the next thing I want to talk about is that so many times in your life you've had producers you've had maybe record labels you've had people oh don't say this or sound a little bit more like this or can you put some more fucking cowbell in there (laughs) or something but one of the reasons why you are successful and have affected millions of people one of the reasons why um name any successful person of any genre doesn't make a difference is because they are ultimately the truest version of themselves which sounds very esoteric and very woo woo and blah blah Mm -hmm. but i think so many times we're sitting there kind of like a leaf in the wind kind of like oh especially right now you see not to just shit on all these celebrities but you see these celebrities kind of like everyone's on covid and then oh everyone's on this and kind of i was like what do you fucking stand for who are you you know and so finding that true you and then you're able to get a product or or a music out so maybe that's once again too stupid of a fucking question i don't know but that journey of of becoming duddy to where you know who you are you know what your sound is mm-hmm. how would you how how have you done that i guess well i mean to be honest i still even somewhat struggle with it today but it, i think that this is one of people's problems a lot is it's, I, I feel like most of the time people aren't true to themselves because they're scared of what other people are going to think of what they really yes are into yes you know like so you kind of play <clears throat> that line of like this is what i'm into but not all the way, you know, <laughs> I still am with you too, Yeah, you know, um, but, and I still do it sometimes too, where I'll, I'll write something and I'll be like, oh, this is cool, ah, but what will the guys think? Are they, ah, maybe I don't show it to them because maybe they'll think it's dumb, you know? Even to this day, I'll yeah. still have that. And I think that that's a problem a lot of people have where it's like, if everybody did that, we would have missed out on so many yes. amazing things. Yeah. I think that you have to be a little uncomfortable. You have to step out and, and out of that comfort zone and you have to show people what you really believe in yes. or what you really enjoy. Yeah. And then, yeah, there might be some times where guys, people are like, oh, you know, I'm not into it, but there might be those times where people are just like, holy shit, this is life changing. Yep. You know, this is groundbreaking. <clears throat> so I think, yeah, it really all starts with yourself and just, you're afraid to really show people your real self sometimes yeah for sure and i think that's when you are your true version of yourself you people will gravitate towards you because you can have the dirty heads but you can also have marilyn manson Mm -hmm. two completely different pictures both extremely talented but they're just themselves and i think that's ultimately ultimately what every human being on this earth i think we are all on the same exact quest and the same exact quest is to have the best version of ourselves and the best life that we can create for us, whatever that may be, whether that you're in a um, slums of, of deep in Mexico or Guadalajara and you want to just come here and then all of a sudden you're, you're a janitor and this is, this is amazing. Or you want to be, be a, 
um, headlining comedian or whatever it is. You just want to be the best version of yourself. But I don't think you can be the best version of yourself until you understand who you are and don't waver from that. Yeah. And I can tell you, just being fully transparent with this podcast alone, it's one thing that I've had to really, really deal with. And I'm just now we were talking about before we got on, on the mic here is that I'm just now starting to become have that subtle art of not giving a fuck. Like, hey, I want to help people. But I don't need to be a Oprah Winfrey and be polished and all that type of stuff. And hey, I am not a comedian. I'm not a Joe Rogan. I'm just a fucking Josh Canuti. And so I want to speak the way I want to speak. I want to talk to the people I want to fucking talk yep. to. I don't want to listen to all this outside stuff. Listen, take the criticism and adjust where possible or where feasible, yeah. but just be yourself. And I think the more times you can just do that, people, I, I just, I love the individual. And I think no matter, even if you hate like if you even if you hate like a Marilyn Manson or something like that, there's a little part of inside of you. If you're going to be honest. It's like that's pretty fucking brave for him just to be him. It's pretty cool. They're pretty fucking he cool. He made a fucking character. Yeah, he made a character, and everybody knows that character. And like you said, even if it's not your thing, you still got a little respect for like, all right, for sure, doing his thing for sure. So going back to those thirty five thousand people, you're on, you're on stage. So I just have a personal question: What is that? Is it even describable, that energy that's coming in? Is it palpable? I mean, does that hit you? Like, you know, when that when that one song or that beat drops and then all of a sudden you just see this wave. That has got to be, oh. I get- it's amazing. And you know what? It's, it's funny. It's like every time we do play at a crowd that size, every time we do a sellout show at Red Rocks or something like that, yeah. um, there's a point in that set where I just flash back to Van pulling up to a bar, eight people at it that don't give a shit that we're there. And then you just look out there and you're just like, holy crap. And you get this just feeling of happiness and just like, oh my God, this is what, this is why we did all that. Yeah. You know, but to answer your question, um, you know, it's so crazy. It's, it's a couple of different emotions. It's like, I don't walk out before and kind of like look out and stuff. So it's like a, the first time I'm really seeing that is when we are go time. Yeah. So that first little boom is just like, holy shit, look at all those people. Yeah. And then you get this just rush of like uh, adrenaline and energy that they're giving you, which is amazing. But my favorite part is when we get maybe like four or five songs in. And you know everything's running smooth. Yeah. You've kind of calmed down from that first little adrenaline rush and you actually just start to enjoy the show. Yeah. And you know like all the dudes <clears throat> on stage with me are solid. They got my back. We got this. Let's enjoy this. You yeah. know? And then you just can really start to just sink into that feeling of like, holy crap, man, look at all this energy. Look at all this amazing energy. We're giving them something that we love and that we put a lot of hard work into. Yeah. And they're giving us back all this amazing energy. And it's just, yeah, you can't really describe it. Yeah. You know, that's that's one thing that I was thinking about is that I think oftentimes we, not every time, but oftentimes we give what we want to receive. Mm -hmm. And I can just bring it back to this podcast. It's something that I had a realization with fairly recently in this quarantine. You got a lot of time to think. But I was doing this for the right reason because I want to help as many people understand that they that they are worthy, that they matter, and that if they would just get out of their own way and stop being berating themselves, and if you're going to be your biggest critic, you also have to be your biggest cheerleader. But what I realize is that 
I'm giving all that to, the, to them, to the listeners, but it's actually also what I need as well. So it's kind of a, this interesting little dance. So I yeah. wanted to see, is there something that you're giving that they're giving you in re- return or something that you're looking for at the same time? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's always a little bit of like selfishness in everything we do. And that's not a bad thing, no. but like, you know, I'm going to do this great thing because I want to and I want to help people, but I also want to get that feeling like I did something good. I want to feel that good feeling, For you know? Sure. Um, so at the same time, it's like, yeah, this is an art. This is just like if someone drew a picture, you, you'd show it, you'd want people to go, oh, I like your picture. For you sure. Know? And that you're like, oh, nice. Thanks. You know? It's the same with music, I think. Like, yeah. we create this this um, emotion, or, and we give people like a little piece of insight to us and how we're feeling at that time. We show it to them, and then when they're like, "Hey, man, I really like that. That touches me." You're like, "Oh, yeah. thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. that." And I think you get the same thing back because once again, going back to the real you, you're giving a piece of you in those songs. You're, I could be wrong, and I don't know you that well, or the, but I think some of your best songs are the so- some of the songs that have done the done the most or maybe hit the most um fans or whatever maybe the ones that have taken the most of you not literally but it's been real in your heart and you're talking to them or speaking to them but it's kind of about you so you have that little thing going and that's the other thing i heard it on another podcast but i thought the same thing about musicians is that when you're on stage and you know you're at that zach de la roca concert everyone's just going or when you're on stage you see everyone just bouncing it's like you're you're hypnotizing them all. They're under your like spell, you know, and you can kind of move them totally physically, emotionally, and kind of get them into kind of your, your groove. So it's kind of like, we're all on the same kind of level playing field or kind of energy level. And I know that's even sounds fucking woo woo or whatever, but there's something about that. And that's why I think live things will just, I believe will never go away. I don't mean to be the old guy kind of thing. Oh, this zoom stuff subscribe. I think you can't, dismiss that energy that you put out and then when you have that equal give and take you put out the energy and then the audience reciprocates you have this little dance and then all of a sudden it builds it builds and then they're loving it oh yeah i just i mean it's just like it goes back as far it's a tribal thing it's a it's in us you know it's a just one person could play just a drum yeah one person could just sit in a room and go Oh, yeah. it's not going to take long before the whole room's just moving to that or beating along. Right. It's just how it goes. It's in us. Yeah. I know this has been said before, but I can only imagine what they were talking about in the producer's room with uh, Queen when they're like, we will rock you. Wait, 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 wait. Is that, we're not putting that out. We have some yeah. of the most classically trained yeah. musicians and singers. <laughs> Let's get something a little bit more mm-hmm. nuanced. And they're like, no, nope, this is it. This is it. And then That's next it. thing you know, billions of people around the world yeah. are... Um, um, we're cruising up on cruising up on time, but I wanted to kind of get to. I did something, took um, a spot from your podcast, and I got some um, audience questions from you. Okay, so cool. I want to kind of cruise with that, and nice. then kind of end with just a couple other questions, and we'll kind of cruise from there. Yeah, Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. What is the dumbest thing that you ever bought with your first big check? The dumbest thing I ever bought with my first big check. Oh man, I totally know. Uh, <laughs> my first big check, I I bought. It was, I had, when I was younger, I had this 66 Cadillac, right? And uh, this thing was fucking awesome. It was uh, bench seats in the front and back. I could sit 10 people in there, five in each bench, like comfortably for sure. I was able to throw like three six foot surfboards in the trunk and close it. The thing was a boat. It was awesome. And, uh, And I drove it for a couple years 
and it ran fine. And then I, I got my, it started to go down. The engine started to need some problems and I got my first big check. It wasn't even a big check. That's why it was so dumb. Yeah. It was like, it, it was when we got that deal from Warner brothers that like okay. I told you about. And, and we, we knew we couldn't really spend it all. Cause we had, this had to run the company and we had to work on it for like two years, you know? And we had, we, but cheese, our manager was like, I'll let you guys each have five grand. But he's like, but not to uh, put in the bank. He's like, I want you each to like buy yourself something. Oh, that's cool. Good to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. So I went and just, and I could have done it right. This could have been a really good, good investment, but yeah. had a buddy who knew a buddy, that, <laughs> you know, and I, he was like, dude, uh, you know, he's so good. At, he'll fix your engine. He lives in my neighborhood, you know, like that, give him that five grand. He'll get that thing. Yeah. So I gave this dude, never met him five grand to redo the fucking engine. And he redid it. Yeah. And it worked ish, but it like it was like war. It just he did a fucking terrible fucking job. Right. He and then and I and I took it to another mechanic after because it was making funny noises, and he was just like, "What the fuck happened in here?" Yeah. It's like who did this? And I, he was like, "Oh my god!" So I pretty much just threw my five grand to a stranger, and he fucked my engine up. Yeah. <laughs> I remember um, my first big check, my first big bonus that I got. I went and bought a XJ six. Sovereign Jaguar, and it was in my early twenties, and so I it the thing was fucking sick. It was yeah. that British green, tan interior, that deep deep wood and everything. It was a couple years used, and this is when Jaguar was just dog shit yeah. of a car. And this thing, I had that thing awesome for like one month, and then after that, it broke. I'm not exaggerating. Every other week, and you take it to the dealership. It had to go to a British dealership, and they walk in. It's almost like put your thousand dollars down, and then we'll tell you what what's yeah. going on with it. And I'm like, fuck it, a. It was, oh. but it was that that you know, young twenties. Yep. I look fucking cool. Chicks, chicks are digging me. All the type of stuff. But I'm paying out more for rent or more for this car than in for fucking rent. And yep. I was like, oh my god, this is so dumb. But yeah, hey, yeah, it was fun though. The <laughs> day you bought it, yeah, it was cool. Uh, <laughs> it definitely definitely did its job with the lady, oh. so that worked. So you worked with a, you worked with a lot of collaborated with a lot of individuals, but what is um, one rapper that you would like to collaborate with? One rapper that I would like to collaborate with—that's that, a good question. Just rapper. Well, um, I mean, obviously, I think Kendrick is just insane. He's prolific. He is. I don't know if I'd want to collab with him though, because he would just make me look bad. Yeah, you know, that'd be intimidating. But the thing about that is, you always gotta. You, it makes you step your bar up. I was going to say. fucking step your game up. You know who is like, and I'm not like 100% for all of his stuff, but he's got some songs with just some cadences and some and some weird ways that he, he moves words around sometimes that really fucking, I just think is cool. Is, is, is the, No one's ever going to expect this from me, but Big Sean. Yeah. Dude, sometimes he just goes off and I'm like, whoa, yeah. where'd that, like, I don't know. I really yeah. fucking dig his shit. And he's actually inspired me in a few songs, you know, to, to try different avenues of not just keeping my straight. Sure. So, yeah, I think he's yeah. pretty dope. That would be cool. Big Big Sean has one of my favorite songs, One Man Can Change the World. Mm -hmm. And I think it's maybe that should be playing a little bit more. So, yeah, <laughs> because right now I think we could uh, we could use it. So this may be a, a deep cut. But so I had to research this to find out what this means. But question asked pizza burger or pie d'oeuvres? Oh, Piters. Piters, yeah. So that's funny. So no, uh, Piters. So explain, probably explain to the audience or to listeners, yeah. what's a pizza burger and then what's a Piters? 
so uh, <laughs> I, I did this interview a long ass time ago and it kind of like just caught on i guess i guess went viral ish yeah before so i think this was even maybe before socials maybe not i don't know but uh it was just about like snacks and treats that i like you know and all these things and uh i started talking about like combining random things like i'll get a burger put a piece of pizza in it you know pizza burger but then i went off on like uh i went off on this tangent about i love everything but can everything just be smaller you know like i right. hate when you get a burger this fucking big make it i want to be able to eat it and then i went off on like treats and everything yeah. and then i went on this long tangent about pie because like everyone fucking loves pie but like anytime you go to a party and pies are out at the end of the party those pies are out no one's fucking touching them maybe there's one slice missing because yep. it's a bitch to eat it yeah because you're not gonna cut a slice you're not gonna walk around the party but <laughs> you're not gonna do it so i was like they need to make pie sliders Piders. There Let's we call go. them piders. So I did this thing, and then everyone started hitting me up, like, you have to make piders, you have to make right. piders. So this is, and this was back when we were just getting started, so I had no money, but me and my wife were like, cool, we'll start piders. We started making piders, and like, we tried to start, but we quickly found out that to start a food company, especially a baked oh, food geez. company, it's a long road of a lot of money, and we didn't have that money or the time I was touring, so it kind of fizzled off, but it was a funny thing for a while, piders, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, that's that's funny. I had to, like I said, I had to research. I was like, that's actually a really good fucking idea. Yeah, like, why is that not around? So I just have kind of two last questions. But we, before we do that, kind of you have a lot of stuff going on. You have a lot of other kind of avenues in mm-hmm. your fingers in a lot of different pots. So kind of let the listeners know what you got going on. You know, the way you and I met is on podcast. Feeling good with Duddy. Obviously, you have dirty heads. But what else you got going on in the fire? So yeah, like he said, we got Feeling Good with Duddy. It's a podcast. If you want to look that up, you can. We, there is two servers right now out there. It can be a little confusing. Um, so you'll find the newer one. It's easy to see which one has the newest episodes. And um, also I have a clothing line. Yep. Cutlass Brand. Um, you can find that at cutlassbrand.com or follow it on socials at just at Cutlass Brand. And um, yeah, and then, and then we have the Dirty Heads. And then I also actually have started a new little side group with my friend Rome from Sublime with Rome. Yeah. And it's just called Rome and Duddy. And we're doing kind of more like, you know, acoustic y, you know, folky, you know, uh, stuff like that. We, we were actually on tour, me and Rome, when the quarantine thing. happened. We had yeah. to cut the tour in half and head home. Uh, so we're going to get that going. Actually, you know, I think in July, I'm headed out to Nashville um, to meet up with Rome and we're going to start. Yeah. we're going to put an album together so that's exciting as well nice you can follow that as well on socials it's just, uh, i believe it's just uh at roman duddy yeah yeah you got beers you got oh uh, we have yeah yeah we you got, got beers. joints we do, we don't have joints unfortunately <laughs> oh. but we do have vape pens with sticky vape uh, oh, okay you can find the dirty heads uh you know sticky vape vape pens there's an indica a hybrid and there's a sativa all are amazing and um and then we also made our own beers with a local hb company four sons mm-hmm. and it's an amazing beer i'm not a a huge beer guy but my drummer bassist both of our, our percussion drummer and bassist uh, they're all super into beers and craft beers so they went with them made their own beer it's like a very kind of light drinkable uh beer with a hint of pineapple in it yeah i'm it's actually delicious yeah it's really fucking good so yeah so it's funny because um i was gonna have some i know we're as we're recording this a little bit early but beers for breakfast so i was gonna have some and i called the uh liquor store near my house and they're like yep i got it i'm like all right what time do you open in the morning they're like um seven o'clock i said all right cool i'll just cruise by in the morning came by totally sold out already i was like oh damn it so nonetheless apparently it's it's doing really well um four sons just told us recently that it's now their best seller 
Sweet. That's their best-selling beer they have. Yeah, and it looks perfect for like summer. It looks just really refreshing and it stuff is. Like and that, Dave, so. uh, our bass player, actually designed the can. It's really cool. He did a great job. Nice, nice. Well, I just have kind of two last thoughts. One question, and one kind of um, thought to kind of take us out. But how do you personally build your self worth? Uh, you know, it's so easy to c- constantly like bring yourself down. I think it's easier yeah. to nitpick everything you do. It's very easy. It's it's actually you just get easy. comfortable at it. Like, oh my god, I should be. I shouldn't have done that today. Oh my god, I shouldn't have done this. What's like? I I try to. Um, I'm a guy that like I feel like I always have to be doing something, or I'm wasting my time. You know, or you know, uh, I always got to be moving forward with something. You know, or my that's just how my brain works. And it's like, if I sit at home and like play a you know dumb game on my phone or something for a couple hours, or I just have like a not really like. I didn't do a lot in a day. Like I'll get down on myself and start mm-hmm. to be like, Oh my God, you wasted so much time. You could have done this. You know, you should have done that. You didn't call this guy back and I'll start thinking that. But yeah. now when I start getting in that mindset, I make myself take a breath and then I make myself think of a handful of things that I have done recently mm-hmm. that were, that were awesome that yeah. I have to, I could just tell myself, dude, that was rad. You did that. That was rad. You did that. You did that. You know, yeah. um, you have this healthy family, you have this house, you have all this, you know, I have to just remind yourself and then you'll quickly be like, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting that you say that. I had no clue you're going to say that, but literally this last month, um, last month going into this month at the end of each day, <clears throat> I've been starting, I wanted to really focus on gratitude in the morning. You hear that all mm-hmm. the time. So I've been focusing on gratitude, talking about things. But in the, at the end of the day, I'm writing five things down or texting myself five things that I did well that day. That's and good. it's uh, it's difficult the first few times. And so the same thing that you're doing. So if anybody's listening, it'll be difficult almost to the point where you won't really believe it. And you're kind of be like, yeah, but that really isn't that big of a deal. Like, yeah. I, like, oh, big deal. You made the phone call, but it's still, still a positive thing. And just to get into that mindset or into that habit versus the other habit, because mm-hmm. positivity takes action, but negativity just comes as is, you know? And so yeah. when you get into that, into that mode, I think it's just um, it's just a much much better habit to be in versus that that negative mindset. So. Well, and when you get in that with yourself, it it, it really you'll see that it, it goes the same for how you look at other people. Because when you're constantly Good being point. down on yourself, Good point. Then you're in that mindset, and yeah. then you constantly are looking at what everyone else is doing wrong. You know, yeah. it, it kind of just feeds itself. So it's like think positive about yourself, think good things about yourself. When you see other people, you're going to do the same. Yeah, I'm convinced. And it's going to sound like a big pie in the sky thing, but if you just take, not right the second, but if the people listening just take three minutes to kind of walk through this, I'm convinced that we can eradicate injustice, eradicate looting, stealing, eradicate racism. If you boil it down all the way to the individual, the individual was their truest form of themselves, really thought highly of themselves, not in an ego, narcissistic, haughty way. But if they really love themselves, there's no way that that man is putting his neck or his knee on someone's neck for eight minutes and 45 seconds. You are not going to go steal something because the act of that, the psychological thing is me having that is going to make me feel better. And if that's not the reason, it's, oh, everybody's doing it. So I'm going to do it with them. So I'm going to feel better by being accepted by the group. But if you just felt good about who you are, what you're doing, 
And if you're not doing what you want to be doing or not doing what you should be doing, be honest, but kind to yourself, adjust, and then slowly make actions towards that. I just think if everybody was kinder to themselves, void of ego, Mm -hmm. void of narcissism, I think a lot of these injustices and a lot of this hate would subside because I, I can't agree with you more. The way you treat others is the way you treat yourself. The way you love others is the way you love yourself. Not very often is there a disconnect between those two. Mm-hmm. So if you start with yourself first in a non-selfish, narcissistic way, but not a true loving way, I think all that shit just subsides. Totally. Subsides. And this is silly, but this is a, a song that I had written, but it never made it. I never finished it enough to make an album and it wasn't that great of a song but it had a line in it that i always loved and it just said if you can't love yourself how are you gonna love me boom that's it boom yeah well brother i appreciate you you're the first person um on the podcast back in the studio after this quarantine so yeah. i appreciate you cruising i know over. i was i was very excited yeah. when i said zooming or i was so excited he was i told the uh, jeanette i told my wife i was like I think he's okay with coming into the studio. I was like, I'm going to have him in the studio. Yeah. I'm like, yes. And then all the guys over here are like, I haven't seen you forever. I was like, I know I've been doing Zoom. I know. I came in trying to like shake hands. I'm like, oh yeah, we're not there yet. Bro. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> um, well, brother, you have overcome a shit ton from all the stuff from the first album, from playing to three three people and a sh- or two and a half people <laughs> to 35,000 people. You've done it with a smile. You've done it with positivity. And I think that in my opinion, your legacy isn't going to be your discography. It's going to be the millions of times that somebody has listened to your song and you've made their day better. And I, from me to you, screw the camera, screw everything, from me to you, I can't think of a higher quality of compliment than to make somebody's day better. And you've done it millions of times for hundreds of thousands or millions of people that you'll never know. And I think that is an amazing legacy to, to leave. Thank you, man. I so, appreciate that. I appreciate all that you do. Thanks, Thank man. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Be kind to yourself.